This is episode four of a Chosen People podcast with special guest Devon Brown on how to defend your faith, part two. I just want to know from your perspective, uh, should our Christianity be faith-based or sight-based? Yeah, I, I definitely think um, in reference to the scripture you shared, uh, just living by faith and not by sight, our Christianity should definitely be lived through faith. And mm-hmm. at the same time, our faith is very evidential. And, and I'm reminded of a book by another apologist named Jim Warner Wallace or Jay Warner Wallace, and he has a book called Forensic Faith that helps to shed light on how Christian or rather Christianity itself is a very evidential faith that is backed up by strong points of evidence. And um, for example, it does talk about how Jesus was a true historical human being who lived on this earth. And that uh, really for the Christian faith itself, it's not just make-believe or wishy-washy, but it's truly based on historical facts and events. And and I, I do think that um, our, our faith should definitely be lived, or, or rather our Christianity should definitely be lived through faith, but we know that our faith is not make-believe and it's really evidential and it's supported by uh, various philosophical and historical pieces of evidence if we think about it. Uh, and, and that's what I love about apologetics because it intersects with faith and we can learn more about our faith through apologetics. It can help us to uh, just be reminded that our faith is grounded in solid evidence and I think that's so important for anyone who professes to be a Christian or, or, or someone who is a follower of Jesus that at the end of the day, like we need to hold our ground in times like this and to remember that uh, our, our faith is something that is very, very verifiable. Right, right. I think that's why God doesn't just come down like and, and, and present himself to us, you know, like saying like, oh, I'm here kind of like, you know, believe in me a little bit. I think that's why he does things in like a more of like subliminal way because true truly loving somebody is being able to trust them even if they if if you can't like see them at the moment or if like their ways are not fully explained or clear it's like how we say that we love our um parents or our children right that even if we don't understand their full intentions or like their plans we know them well enough that they're not out to like deliberately harm us that they have a plan in some type of way so what's a what's an example of someone in the bible that you can recall that stood up for their faith oh yeah 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 i'm definitely reminded of um peter and john in acts chapter Mm. five actually rather yeah acts chapter five i'm just trying to find the exact verse right now in this scripture here in, in Acts chapter 5, I, I know Peter and the apostles were in prison after appearing before the Sanhedrin as they had uh, shared their faith on the temple courts. And mm-hmm. I, I realized that even though they were in prison, like they still had a strong desire to obey God. And even just a scripture or verse that really stuck out to me was in verse 29 of chapter 5, um, or Acts 5 verse 29, where it says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. 
And this is really what they told the Sanhedrin as they were being interrogated as to why uh, they still chose to share their faith, even though they were told not to. And yet this is just a primary and strong example of uh people who stood up for their faith in the midst of opposition. And at the end of the day, I, I know with being a disciple, being a Christian in this day and age, like it's very uncomfortable, but also it can mean that it can cause a bit of friction in our relationships and friendships with people. And Jesus, as I was mentioning, he is someone who had told us the cost for following him. And he was upfront about that. And he was someone who told us what we needed to hear. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 15, verses 18 to 24, uh, the subheading for the scripture is very intense, and it reads, The world hates the disciples. And it reads in verse 18 here, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong mm. to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. So, man, for me, like, I'm naturally a people pleaser, and that's something that I struggled with before becoming a disciple seven years ago. And even now, um, having been a disciple for that long, like, I look at my life and I'm saying to myself, man, it's hard to kind of not follow the crowd and to be different and to be someone of influence, as Jesus calls us to in Matthew 5 with the salt analogy. But... Yet, I'm reminded that if people back then in biblical times 2,000 years ago had persecuted and slandered Jesus, like what would happen to us now as his own followers? And mm -hmm. reminded that persecution is inevitable, but at the same time, I think we can learn to rise up above the opposition and persecution to not only sharpen our faith, but to remind ourselves that we really need to cling to God in tough times and in persecution. And we have each other as a family of believers, of disciples, to stand strong against any opposition and to keep going. And and we'll look back at these tough times and remember that they have built us into the men and women of God that he wants us to be. Because mm -hmm. we can't do it alone. You know, exactly. it's, a, it's a commitment, of course, right? I mean, that's why they literally call it like a covenant. Um, but like, it's something that God doesn't expect for us to only have to carry by ourselves. It's why, right. like... Our, our our commitment to God is why uh, it, it's 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 referred to a lot in the Bible as like a you know uh, uh like, like like a yoke right mm -hmm. they talk about like like to, to carry up the yoke that that God will carry the yoke with us basically that we won't have to do it alone because it it's a responsibility you see like all of these like happy couples and like these like you know older people who like talk about how they, they've been like a disciple for like 40 50 60 years or something and like the same thing is always said by them like this is like you know the best decision i ever made or you know i'm so glad that i turned away from my life of sin or something there's no regrets yeah as long as you're able to stick stick with it right and not give up on god he won't give up on you he won't even give up on you if you give up on him it's still it's 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 a reciprocatory type of thing you know but um my next question for you uh it's a bit different from the one that i just asked but uh how, how do you think that god wants us to confront our object confront objections that we get to christianity yeah I, I think really at the end of the day uh what matters is that we remember we have to remember that it's just uh focused on we just have to be kind of focused on understanding that there's a reason behind someone 
uh, giving that objection or kind of asking a certain question about Christianity. And as I was alluding to earlier, like I think even uh, what Ravi Zacharias had shared, it's important to answer the questioner rather than the question. And I, mm. I think with that, like when we have an understanding of, of uh, reaching out to people through love and understanding that should be the medium by which we do things, that'll affect how we answer those objections. Mm. And I'm reminded of a scripture in Colossians chapter four, uh, and I'll just read it from verses two to six here. And this is Paul speaking to the church in uh, Colossae. I probably butchered that name, but forgive me. But it reads, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, this is like a mantra for anyone who is dealing with objections towards Christianity. And the reality is, is that we need to just remember that, first of all, we should make the best of every opportunity, every objection that is given to us. But also mm-hmm. to remember that how we respond is key and not always what we respond with. And I, the reason why I say how is that we should always remember to be gracious as we respond to people and to understand that uh, our response is seasoned with salt, with influence, answers that do have conviction and do have uh, perspective can really help to answer objections that people may have about Christianity. And also one thing I've learned is that we're not going to know everything. We're not going to have all the, the answers right at the top of our noggins, right at the top of our brains. But this is where we really need to learn to build a relationship with the friend or person who has asked us a question or shared an objection about Christianity, because this is where we learn that it's not just about kind of saying, hey, this is why God exists, get out of my face now, but more so, hey, like, you know, I'd love to really investigate your objection a lot more. How about we talk about it another time over a cup of coffee or, you know, we just go chill somewhere, we talk more about it uh, after I've done my research. And I, and I think when we have um, an objective of loving someone enough that we want to build a relationship with them, but we also remember that we should always be gracious and wise with what we say to someone, that can really change, uh, I guess, the dynamics of our relationship with that person that has shared that objection or has asked a question about Christianity. And uh, it'll really turn things around. Yeah. Like, it's almost like, our perceptions as Christians, when people object our faith or they're asking us, you know, like, why do we believe what we believe? Uh, we tend to get like offended immediately, or at least that's, that's what I've seen anyways, that once somebody is kind of like, Oh, you know, uh, Christianity doesn't exist. Like God doesn't exist. Um, we kind of take it at like this, like weird face value. That's like, oh, they're immediately offending us. But really, I think that, like, in most cases anyways, they're probably just more curious to figure out why we believe what we believe. I mean, the same thing happens for me when I, you know, I, like, like I'm around um, friends of different faiths, uh, you know, for like, like whether it's, like, uh, you know, Muslim or um, Buddhism uh, or Sikhism, right? Like, I hear their points 
and I try to, I, I don't say that, you know, like what they believe is like, like, like false or fake, whatever, but I'll kind of like give like my counter arguments to, um, at least what I believe, but I'm not doing it out of an argumentative stance. I'm doing it out of just really curiosity to figure out, okay, so like, why do you believe what you believe is something mm-hmm. that maybe like I'm not looking at that, that you can see and we can do the exact same thing. Um, Abdul Murray in his, in, in, in his, I think it was part one of his speech that we were watching. Um, he talks about how we can do that and we can confront those objections. Uh, and he said that the first step is to listen, to do more listening than actually speaking so that we can hear what their questions are. Think about maybe like where we've seen that in the Bible uh, and speak on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And his second part of that that he talks about is that as we're listening, we're not to listen just so that we can respond. We're to listen so that we can understand because that's kind of what they're doing, hopefully anyways, to us. They're listening so that they can understand or take away some type of meaning. You're the one that's there because they're the one asking the question. You're the one that's there who is delivering the information. They're just trying to figure out what it is. They're trying to pry it out of you (laughs) by whatever means. so yeah, it's just uh, like as long as you can look at it a little bit less, like they're trying to be offen- uh, offensive, even if it feels like it. There's probably a hint of curiosity in there. Exactly. So I mean, my audience, the you know, the people that I talk to, or at least that I can see that like listen to this podcast, uh, it's filled with both believers and non-believers. So like, what would you say to someone who is like on either side of the fence? Uh, or if they're just opposed to Christianity as a whole? Yeah, I, I think first off I would ask, um, and honestly it's such a challenging and and uh, interesting thought when you think about it, but I would just ask like, honestly even for me to think about it now, I'm just trying to kind of articulate my ideas around it, but um, I would ask, are you on a truth quest or a happiness quest? And hmm, I, I asked that because I'm reminded of that very same uh, kind of question or statement from another apologist named Frank Turek. And he's written a, a number of books, but one of his most popular books is called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And um, even from wow. some of the sermons that I've watched or presentations I've seen, he's always asked people after I uh, shared a presentation about his book, the one I had just mentioned, um, there would always be like a Q&A session at the university or a venue in which he shared his presentation. And there were a lot, there would be a lot of students or people who would just ask him different questions or share objections they have towards his presentation. And uh, sometimes he would ask people who don't necessarily believe in God, uh, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? And 90% of the time, those same people that are asked that question, they say no. And Frank just really emphasizes a point that people are really on a happiness quest as opposed to a truth quest. People just want to do what makes them feel happy. And I, I say, I, so that's my way to kind of reach out to someone and ask, like, are you looking to be happy or do you want to really seek the truth out there? And a quote from, that Abdi Murray had referred to in his presentation, at least from the first one he did at uh, the Mission Manifest Manitoba uh, conference uh, earlier this year, uh, he shared a quote from, uh, I, I believe this one philosopher or uh, theologian, but his name was Pascal. 
And this, and he said, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. And so I, I think even for myself, just looking back at my own life, like I, I just wanted to live my life as a quote unquote Christian, just because I had grown up going to a Baptist church, but I never really lived my life as such. And I never really lived out the Bible, but it's almost like what I had done was I just said, you know, what, I'm just going to cherry pick what I want to hear from the Bible. And I'm going to make my truth the truth. And so what people can do now is we either change the truth so it matches up with what we want. And what we end up doing is we have uh, our truth inform the Bible rather than the truth of the Bible informing us. Mm. And so I, I think my challenge for any people who are uh, skeptics or who are just seeking to know whether this whole Christianity thing is true is to really ask yourself, like, what am I really after in this life? Am I really after seeking the truth or am I after seeking happiness? And I think there's a stark difference between the two. And uh, the fact that Jesus himself, God in the flesh, claims to be the way, the truth, and the life, which I understand could be quite a, a con controversial um, statement in John chapter 14, verse 6 to 7, but it really rings true because if someone is truthful, like, they'll tell you like it is. And Jesus saying that he is the truth. And if we want to know what the truth is, we start with Jesus and we can go from there. Yeah. I think that what a lot of people get confused too is that like if you chase truth by itself, I mean, you can find happiness. Like you can essentially have both. God provides that. And especially in his promise that we will be with him for eternity. And that like, you know, all these things will make, be made clear. I love reading in the Bible a lot, um, the, the verses that talk about how, like, uh, you know, things will be made new, that things will be uncovered, uh, revealed, like, all these, like, weird things. I'm thinking on mine, like, okay, we've done all this, like, scientific research, but like, we know a lot of things about, like, the universe. Like, what's there almost, like, not to know unless it's just completely, like, beyond our comprehension? And then I realize, oh, those things that will be uncovered might actually be things that are beyond our comprehension. Mm -hmm. God will share that with us and things will be made so much more clear. And to me, at least, that's kind of like happiness. Um, and Abdul Murray, he also said something else too that I mean, I would say to, to non-believers, um, if you were to believe in a God, right, they, it would have to be something, like, like it would have to be the ultimate being, right? Like somebody who can create all of this, you know, all of creation. And the ultimate being would have to inhibit the ultimate characteristic. And the ultimate characteristic is love. And one of the only gods that we really see in all of like theology and, um, you know, multi-theism and I think it's called solo theism. I don't really know. Like the, it's all, it's, all, it's in like the mix of all those theisms really, um, is that like the primary God that shows true love to his people or genuine love to his people is the Lord. The, like, like our, our Lord that we worship. So it, it would only make sense that the creator of the universe, the creator of us, would have to be God, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, to my non-believers out there, um, yeah, ultimately it's your choice, but I, I offer you that little piece of knowledge. Um, so what do you think that is like, is like the most important characteristic that we can have when it comes to defending our faith? Yeah, honestly, there's there's a variety of things that uh, I would say, but I would mainly just say that 
the one characteristic that we should embody as disciples when it comes to defending our faith is just patience. And I say that because at the end of the day, as you were previously saying that, you know, we, we sometimes just can't like convert someone like right on the spot. And I believe with apologetics, what it helps us to do is not only extend our love to people through that uh, study or discipline, but also we learn to leave a proverbial rock in their shoe and we leave them something to think about that is a skeptic or someone who is questioning Christianity or may have an objection towards it. And we give them something to chew on and think about so that after uh, we've had a conversation with that person, like uh, they're, they're left to think about something. And um, while like they might not choose to follow Jesus until like mm-hmm. another 10, 15 years later, at least we know that we've been patient enough to let them go through their lives and do what they want to do, be the God of their own lives and eventually find out that, hey, you know what, like I've been trying to live my life on a happiness quest instead of a truth quest. And now mm-hmm. that I've, uh, I want to pursue the truth and, and that's embodied through Jesus, then I'm, I'm all for it. So I, I think mm-hmm. patience is, is really the greatest thing. And uh, with patience, like it really entails so many other characteristics in which we can grow uh, in, for example, just even uh, learning just to be more kind to people. And I see that because with patience, we learn to kind of bear with each other's burdens and learn to understand people and and their flaws and where they're coming from. We learn to treat them much kinder than we otherwise would. But patience is definitely um, something that's always hard to master and it's really one of the fruits of the spirit in uh the latter of galatians chapter five and uh i think for any believer out there like let's not forget that we have the power of the holy spirit for any baptized believer out there to understand that we have the power of the holy spirit to help us um really be more patient with other people and to grow to become more like christ Mm -hmm. wow the patience that's, that's deep, man. Well, I mean, thank you so much for, you know, just giving me some great insight on really how to defend my faith and, you know, for my listeners too, how to defend their faith as well, because it's not an easy task. Um, it's, it's something that we're required to do day in and day out. Um, and obviously we can tire from it. It's not something that we just have a, 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 an, an un an unyielding battery for we obviously need to have times to, to, to recharge but i mean you even show us how to do that as well and to um not wear ourselves out in this pursuit of being christian yet being persuasive to create others as well so just wanted to thank you for that and uh, i just have a final question for you uh, that i pretty much just ask everyone uh if you can go back in time right and you could and you see yourself you, you go back to the day that you were baptized right and you can see yourself coming out of the water and all of a sudden you're face to face with yourself right after you you know like you dry it off and everything um and you can give yourself some advice what advice would you give your younger self wow oh boy uh that's a good one i i would say don't put pineapples on your pizza 
No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know I kind of just started a huge That's debate there. Like, I've been saying <laughs> that I'm is the there. most controversial thing that anyone has said <laughs> on my podcast. Man. Oh, man. Honestly, man, I'm a meat lover's pizza guy. <laughs> so I got to go, I got to remove all this pineapple sauce. Oh pizza, God. any Hawaiian. Pizza I don't understand why people do it. Yeah, I don't get it. You know, you know <laughs> a lot of some of my friends they love their pineapple pizza, but I gotta let them do their thing. But anyway, yeah. just on a serious we'll note, pray though, for them. Hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. But on a serious note, though, honestly, like it, it's, I always think of different things I would have done differently back then as a disciple when I first became a disciple, uh, and I, I, I would say. Pleasing people is a waste of your time. You weren't made for that. Mm. I, mm. And I, I see that because tomorrow is never promised uh, and life is very short, as cliche as that sounds. But at the end of the day, I've realized you cannot base your joy on what people think of you because that always changes and that's bound to change. But yet the way God mm. thinks of us will never change, even though we will fall short and make mistakes and have our failures in this life. God's love for us is irrevocable, meaning it can never be taken away from us. But also, uh, he is always patient with us, as it says in um, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, not wanting for anyone to perish, but to uh, have eternal life. And I'm just kind of uh, paraphrasing that scripture there. But I, I say that because it's easy to kind of feel like you're not the best person in the world or you're kind of missing out on things outside uh, of being a Christian, because as I said earlier, like being a, a Christian or a disciple is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And and yet, uh, as we get older and as we all mature, like we're going to realize that our lives, our faith as a Christian is really going to intersect and affect every area of our lives, but also every decision that we make for our lives as well. And I think at the same time, we're going to be faced with opposition about different choices that we make and really at the end of the day like for those of us who have decided to follow jesus and say that jesus is lord before getting baptized we said that jesus is lord not people are lord and mm. i i have to remind myself of that every day that tomorrow's not be promised and for me to just please someone and then for them to kind of act differently around me after i've failed to do something the way they'd want me to I have to realize, like, man, I can't keep doing this to myself. Like, if I were to think about it, it's kind of like a hamster constantly running on a wheel, chasing after something, and you're always going to feel tired out and burnt out because you can never fully, I guess, obtain people's acceptance. And it's never Mm -hmm. uh, a, a guaranteed or eternal thing. And I'm reminded of a quote from uh, Lecrae, who is like, uh, kind of like, uh, yeah, I love the crew. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a great artist. I don't, I don't, I used to listen to his music a lot, but I'm slowly getting back into listening to his music. But, um, for those of you who might not know him, he's just a great, uh, rapper that is, uh, faith filled and, and Christian man. And, um, I think this quote is from him, if I'm not mistaken, but he shared, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die by their rejection. And, <laughs> Man, like that quote, does it ever ring true? Like I have to remind myself of that. And you know, it, it's scary because like, as we live in this post-truth world where people are inclined to follow what they want to hear and their feelings and preferences over the truth of the Bible, 
arguably, if they if they choose to decide that it is truth, then we're going to face a lot of opposition, and, and myself included. And I'm realizing that as a follower of Jesus, that um, really, at the end of the day, like I just need to focus on just understanding that God's love is eternal and over people's love, which can always change. Not to say that people are bad and they're horrible people, but it's just that we can never rely on their uh, acceptance all the time because they will let us down. Right. Absolutely. That's deep, man. Yeah. So Jesus is Lord, not people. Tomorrow is not promised. So people pleasing is not worth it. Mm -hmm. To live by people's um, acceptance is to die by their rejection. And no pineapple on pizza. <laughs> exactly. 100%. That's like That's the takeaway from this whole episode. <laughs> exactly. To your pizza. Otherwise, we are <laughs> friends. Do not hit me up. Please. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. That's that's basically it's repugnant. It's a, it should be a crime by now. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I think that that it's even something that I struggle with too. Um, and I know that so many other people um, have to go through that because it's it's uh, like relationships are so important to us. But I think that's why Jesus's relationship with us just needs to be tenfold because we we can't really rely. Um, we we can't live without human relationships but we cannot live eternally without god's relationship so right. just wanted to thank you for that man just your your amazing words this is actually a great conversation it reminds me of like our times you know um where we have our uh our, our devo times on like thursdays and stuff yeah right, right before yeah. i came from, like, like right after i became a disciple and just yeah so deep so awesome man yeah dude i miss your time yeah honestly i i love this like thank you so much for having me like this is such an amazing uh recording or episode and Honestly, like I, I look forward to see uh, just your growth in this whole journey of uh, the podcast. But keep doing what you're doing. Like I think people would, would love to hear more from you, and uh, you have such great insight on uh, the Bible and and just God as a whole. But yeah, man, like I, I really appreciate our friendship and just you reaching out to me to have me on this podcast. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Thanks, man. All right, that wraps up today's episode of the Chosen People podcast. Please make sure to share this episode with someone you think would benefit from what we talked about today. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure to follow this podcast and never miss a new episode. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, make sure to subscribe as well. This episode is just minutes of your time wasted if you only listen. So if you haven't already, I strongly encourage you to use what was taught today and apply it to your lives. And a quick reminder to you all, no matter what religion or race or creed or gender you are, you are loved by God. It's corny, I know, but it will always be true. He cares for you. And no matter what happened yesterday, we are a new creation in him today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with a new episode. And as always, spread love and live chosen.